The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, I think we can write down April 26th, 2015 as our first heartbreaking day of the 2015 season. As the Royals drop the suspended game from Friday night 3-2 to two, and then lose in very disappointing fashion 5-3 to three, in today's regularly scheduled game. And hello, it's Davo. Glad you're along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. This is your dish. We'll try to turn that frown upside down here, although I am a bit nervous about the Cleveland series. I will tell you why here in just a little bit. Also, we'll break down both games today. But first, our players of the game here on Clubhouse Conversation. For game number one, Paulo Orlando. How about three for three? with a run and an RBI for Paulo. Nice job there in game number one, getting it done. And then in the second game, Alex Gordon. Who else would it be? My goodness. First of all, two for four with a home run, two RBIs, the big two-run shot for the Royals in the fourth inning that extended their lead at the time to three to nothing. But even more than that, definitely the play of the year in Major League Baseball thus far. Potentially the best play of the year in Major League Baseball. It'll be a top 10 for sure for the whole season. No way it's not, as I'm sure you've seen it by now. But the fifth pitch of the bat in the bottom of the sixth against Micah Johnson. It's Johnson versus Volquez, and uh, the foul ball hit down the left field line. Gordon goes racing over. You could tell he had his mind made up he was going to catch that ball. There was no worrying about sacrificing his body, no worrying about injury. He was going to catch the ball. He was sure of it. And it showed as he dives two rows back, making the catch, flipping over. I mean, is that the best play Gordon's ever made that we've seen? I think so. And, and I mean, gosh, I'd love to see. I'd love if somebody would do a whole highlight reel of Alex Gordon, you know, terrific defensive plays and put that on YouTube. That that would be, you know, probably in the number one spot. But there's a good... 10, 15, 20 plays that would take your breath away, including, of course, the double play in this game. Let's not forget about that one off the bat of Milk of not it wasn't Milky Cabrera, it was off the bat of Abreu, but makes that running catch, throws behind, and gets Milky Cabrera out for the double play at second base today. We saw that as well. In game number one, we saw Gordon come in and take a hit away from Adam Eaton on a diving catch. I mean, you look at those plays, and you have, of course, the game against Baltimore last year in the clinching game, that catch against the outfield and all these throws. Alex Gordon is a man amongst boys when it comes to left fielders on defense. Great job by Alex, our player of the game in the second game. Now, the second game is probably the more controversial, the more heartbreaking of the two, obviously. We'll discuss that here in a second. I'm not going to get too deep into game one, but I will get into it here for a few minutes. A few things about it, you know, as it started on Friday. So, uh, number one, the obvious thing is, it really was too bad the umpires didn't call game one after six innings because at that point, even after six innings, there were puddles on the field. The Royals got out of the sixth inning. They had a lead. The game was official. You're six innings in. There's puddles on the field. Why keep playing at that point? And if you're going to keep playing, you get to the top of the ninth, and at that point, why put the tarp on the field in a tie game in the ninth inning? Like, you've already gone that far. The rain's about the same as it's been for the last hour and 15 minutes, and they, they put the tarp in the field, and after the 35 minutes, just say, we'll replay it on tomorrow, which became today. 
I mean, yeah, I've got the blue sunglasses on, the, the blinders on here, but that just seemed kind of unfair to me, especially because the rain helped contribute to at least one of the two Royals' errors, if not both, and it took what would have been a single by Adam Eaton, possibly a double, and turned it into a triple, and that was the tying run that scored because of that. So, really, the Royals probably should have won the game after six innings because of being called by rain, but if not, I mean... The, the difficult thing is that they lost the game off of one of their strengths, and that's defense. And then, of course, ultimately the bullpen gave it up today with Kelvin Herrera getting the first couple of outs. You know, today, but then a walk, a wild pitch, the intentional walk, and the game-winning crack bat hit by Avisel Garcia. It was a tough way to lose that game. But you kind of, at that point, I was just kind of like, whatever. We're numb to this. You know, we probably should have won the game, but, you know, the White Sox are due for a win. Let's just come out and take care of business in game two. And, and something else about game one. Let's talk about Danny Duffy and, and the Royals starting rotation in general. Duffy was obviously better on Friday night, especially with the elements. Allowing just one run, his ERA sits at a solid 3-3-3, which is fine. That's great. But again, he struggled to give Casey innings. I mean, in start before that, we saw five innings, five walks, five strikeouts. One of the other two starts was less than five innings. I mean, I believe his high this year is, is six plus. So Danny Duffy is not going deep in the game so far. And it's still early. You know, we're still working with less than a handful of starts for the Duff man. Too early to be concerned. But I, I well, no, it's not too early to be concerned. It's way too early to panic or be worried. But I'm slightly concerned about not only Duffy, but the rest of the rotation. Not giving innings to the Royals this year. Jeremy Guthrie, normally an innings-eating guy, hasn't given the kind of innings he normally does and hopefully will. Same with Jason Vargas. Ventura keeps getting cramps or getting run. I mean, Volquez has been the closest thing, but today we saw him kind of fall apart, although the defense contributed. We'll talk about that here in a second. But Danny Duffy, 98 pitches in his five and a third innings on Friday night. So that's something that you just feel like the Royals need to get straightened out in a hurry because you're still about seven to ten days away from Greg Holland coming back. He's eligible to come off the DL, I believe, a week from today. So you're a week from that. At that point, or maybe even before, Calvin Herrera is going to have to start serving his suspension. You still don't have Luke Hochaver. So, I mean, the point being, you're going to burn these guys out if you don't start getting some length. Because you don't have all your top guys available yet. Now, game two today. It felt like a game the Royals were going to cruise to a win, didn't it? I mean, you get the lead with Mike Moustakis, the clutch, two-out double, driving in Omar Infante in that third inning. Opposite field, off the fence, great to see Moose having great at-bats. And then the fourth inning, you get the two-run home run off the bat of Alex Gordon. John Danks, who seems to be prone to the home run ball, giving up more than anybody, gives up the shot to Gordon. 3 nothing, And you look at Edinson Volquez, just cruising. First pitch strike after first pitch strike, working at the knees, fastball tailing all over the place, breaking ball dropping off the table. Five shutout innings in just 60 pitches. He's throwing 12 pitches an inning through five. And I really thought this was a game where Volquez would either go the length, the full nine, or go eight and hand it off to Wade Davis. I mean, you're at 60 pitches after five. You figure he's probably going to go up to 108 to 110. So if you've got about 50 more pitches in three innings, he throws 17 pitches an inning and pitches decent. He's going eight innings in this game. And then the sixth inning seems to contribute, you know, and, and further continue that thought with Alex Gordon making the aforementioned catch, which is our play of the game, obviously. So you're through five and a third. He's in 65 pitches, a five-pitch at bat. But then things fall apart in a hurry. Adam Eaton just about takes Volquez's head off with a single up the middle. 
the, the, the worst at bat of that inning, the most costly, was the five-pitch walk to Melky Cabrera. And, and Volquez got squeezed on a couple of pitches, one for sure in that at bat. But still, he did walk him. So you've got first and second, you have the wild pitch moving eight into third. So you're first and third with one out. Still ahead 3 nothing, right? Jose Abreu up. And at that point, there's no need to have the bullpen up because people were criticizing Ned Yost today, and I'm going to tell you that's baloney. There's no reason to criticize Ned Yost today. You've got first and third, nobody out. The bullpen should not be up at that point. One hit and a walk. And then you get not a room service double play, but a ground ball that should have been a double play. Uh, the two-hop chopper, uh, two hop chopper to Mike Moustakis to his left goes off his glove. That's a double play if he fields that. And, and Volkes is out of the inning. Still cruising at that point. Just a tiny blip with the walk and the hit there. But instead, it's an error. The run scores, and then the wheels really fall off. So Adam LaRoche singles. Then you get the bullpen up. I agree. LaRoche is singled. Avisel Garcia does as well. Now you're thinking, okay, well, it's iffy. Should we get him out? You know, he's in, he's in the low 80s now. Pitch count. But... You're also keeping in mind, again, that you don't have a lot of length from your starting rotation this year. You've got no off days this week. Herrera may be unavailable in this game because he threw in the first game. So Ned rightfully leaves him in, and he strikes out Alexi Ramirez. Okay. Bases loaded, two outs. You're definitely leaving him in now. You know? He's already gotten you, in theory, four outs in the inning at that point. The double play ball, the Gordon catch, and the strike out of Ramirez. You're leaving him in at that point. You've got Frazier up and ready. Plus, you don't have a lefty up. You don't have Morales throwing for the lefty Gillespie. So you leave him in. Connor Gillespie singles, of course, driving in two. The Royals are now losing, and Ned comes out perfectly and pulls Volquez. Handled it perfectly. Anybody who says they would have pulled him way earlier is full of it. The most you could even argue is if you wanted to take him out to face Gillespie, but that's only if you had a lefty up, and they didn't. He had just struck out the batter before that Ramirez. Why would you pull him right there? Already had gotten you four outs in the inning. You need some length. It's still only the sixth inning. This is another game that could have gone to extra innings. And I know you've got Aaron Brooks, but who really wants to use him in this game? So I thought Ned Yost handled that fine. And, of course, Frazier gives up another hit to Tyler Flowers, and that's two straight games that Jason has allowed inherited runners to score, which is too bad because he's been so good. But that's fine. Whatever. Gets the next runner out, hitter out, I should say. Royals down 5-3. Micah Johnson makes the first and third out of that inning. And the Royals, a lot of fans were, and the fans don't play the game, but a lot of fans had jumped off a building, were trying to find sharp objects. We're not joking about suicide. That's not funny, but people were panicking. And the Royals, though, still had a chance to get back in. They, they had good at-bats. You know, the seventh wasn't so good, but they lead off the double with the eighth by Alcides Escobar against Jake Patricia. Patricia, not Patricia. <laughs> Patricia, I love that. And then Patricia, a.k.a. Patricia, however you want to call him, gets pulled. Ultimately, Zach Duke comes in. Eric Cosmer, first pitch swinging, just about ties this game up. Opposite field. Milky Cabrera takes away a double and a sure RBI. Hosmer about three feet short of a home run. Cabrera, with like the spinning you know, move that Michael Jordan would have been proud of, jumps up there, makes the catch, kind of channels half, you know, Noria Oki against the Angels in game one last year of the ALDS. Half that, you know, half luck, but also half skill. It was a nice play by Cabrera, channeling a bit of Alex Gordon as well, making that play. That hurt. I mean, but, but the White Sox made the play. You know, what are you going to do? The Royals got a taste of their own medicine there. And then the ninth inning, the tough David Robertson comes in, and the Royals do string together a one-out hit from Alex Gordon and a two-out, two-strike hit, 0-2 by Paulo Orlando. But then, of course, Omar Infante missed the cookie. There was a hanging curveball there right over the middle, but he chopped out to end the game. And, and that ended a tough day where 
the Royals' bullpen and defense let them down in both games. Game one, the two errors, the bullpen gives it up. Game two, the defense, the Moose. But, you know, let's not be tough on Moose here. Moose is playing like a stud. And I tweeted out during the game, Mike Moustakis has been a RoboCop, you know, since last October. Been phenomenal. But he's not a robot. None of these guys are. They're going to make mistakes. I mean, you can look at all the stats you want and sit at home and sit in your basement with your mom making your mashed potatoes and meatloaf and and say, he should have made the plays. a bum. Come on. Nobody makes all the plays. Look at the White Sox. Jose Abreu was awful in this series defensively. They are not good defensively. We saw Adam Eaton bobble today in center field. We saw Melky Cabrera bobble when he perhaps could have thrown out Omar Infante on that double in the third inning. We're spoiled. I mean, there's one error. You know, get over it. Moose also a big double at RBI in this game. Had some good at-bats. A nine-pitch at-bat later on in the game. You know, get over it. The Royals have a tough series, for sure. At least a tough day. You know, losing two out of three. You wanted to get one of the games today and win two out of three. Because let's get to Cleveland. Because I'm really nervous about this Cleveland series, guys. Uh, The team I picked in second place before the year. And their lineup, if you look at the numbers, what scares me is nobody's hitting it in their lineup. And they're going to. And the Royals are throwing two of their three most inconsistent pitchers early this year. And the Royals are facing some studs. Cleveland's a good team. Make no mistake. It's so early. And I see some people tweeting that the White Sox are bottom feeders. Give me a freaking break. The White Sox are a 500 team. Their one through three is as good as anybody in this division when they're healthy. Sale, Samarja, Quintana, who's gone 200 innings with 3-4 and 3-3 the last two years. Their one through three is not, I'm not saying it's better than Cleveland's necessarily if Cleveland's healthy or better if Detroit's 100% healthy, but it's, it's as good. So you know the White Sox have an MVP you know potential candidate if Abreu if Abreu really takes off they've got some nice players in that lineup and and a good back end of their bullpen they're not good enough to win the division because they can't play defense number one number two their middle relief is not great and the back you know the four and five starters are not that good but the White Sox are, are a five hundred team there's no shame in starting four and two there's no shame in playing six sixty six ball the Royals are twelve and six. <laughs> Who wouldn't have taken that? So let's move on to Cleveland. Now, I I do want to tell you, though, I do think the Royals are probably going to lose two out of three in Cleveland. And if they get swept, then you can panic a little bit. If you get swept in this series and you've dropped, you know, five of your last six, six of your last seven going back to the last game of the Twin Series, if that happens, yes, you can panic. But even if the Royals lose two out of three in this series, is a two and four road trip good? No. But it's not the end of the world. And the Royals played so well and so hot early. And let's also remember they're playing without their closer. They're playing without their starting right fielder. They lost Alcides Escobar for a couple of games. So, I mean, the Royals are doing great for where they're at. But, again, let's talk about this Cleveland series. I don't like tomorrow at all. It's Vargas and Kluber. Vargas, a 6.75 ERA, needs to start producing. It's That's the one guy in our season preview I talked about that I was concerned about in the Royals rotation. And he maybe hasn't been as bad as the numbers are. He's been nickel and dime to death by you know a lot of ground ball hits. But again, when you can't strike people out, that's going to happen to you. He doesn't miss a lot of bats. And it was against the Twins the last time. And it could have been a lot worse if Joe Maurer knew how to run the bases and score on a double from second base. So Vargas, 
versus Corey Kluber, who won the Cy Young. Vargas has a 5-1-9 ERA against Cleveland. Not good. If you want to look for the silver lining, he does have a 3-3-8 and four starts in his career at Progressive Field. Corey Kluber, of course, needs no introduction. The Cy Young winner, like I said, did get lit up in his last start, which makes me even more nervous. The White Sox got him for six runs his last start, but that it shows you how good his first three starts were. That he gave up six his last start, and his ERA is still 3-9-0. And he's got a 283 4-1 lifetime against KC. I don't like their odds at all against, you know, tomorrow. Especially again, keeping in mind that those bats on Cleveland, I think I thought before the year they might have the most complete lineup in the central. And I thought KC edges them barely. So I don't like tomorrow at all. Not a good matchup for the Royals. Jeremy Guthrie, Trevor Bauer, a bit better on Tuesday. This is kind of a toss-up game to me, though. Just because Guthrie has struggled this year, of course, and has always struggled against Cleveland. An ERA north of six against his former team, including two and four progressive field. And the other token is, not only has Guthrie struggled this year and there at progressive field, but also Trevor Bauer has been nails this year. He did miss his last start due to illness, but he's 2-0 with an 0-9-5 this year in his three starts. The Royals did get him a little bit last year. Once September 24th in particular, they got him for four runs on eight hits and four and a third, but has a 4-1-1 ERA against KC. So he's been solid against the Royals. Bauer and Guthrie's a toss-up game. That's the one the Royals need to get because I think they probably lose tomorrow. Get that game, then you're okay. You don't, you know, Then that third game is going to be some fire. Ventura and Salazar, perhaps the two hardest throwers consistently in the rotation of the American League Central, going head-to-head. Ventura has dominated Cleveland, a 1-5-7-3-0. Hasn't finished a start yet all year. A couple cramps and a couple ejections. So hopefully we'll see him go seven or eight, you know, one or two run innings against Cleveland and the Royals can get that win. Uh, Salazar has been a stud this year since coming up. And he's a guy on the preview this year I raved about. I was shocked when they sent him down to AAA to start the year. But he's come up with authority, 2-0 and with a 2-0-8. He's got 21 Ks in 13 innings since coming up. I have no idea why they put him in AAA to start the year. We all know spring training is fool's gold. Maybe there's something with the attitude or whatever. I don't you know, cover Cleveland, so I don't know all that. But Salazar's won at Minnesota and Detroit. Had 11 Ks, a career high his last start at Detroit. And guess what his fastball average velocity was? 97 miles an hour. The silver lining is the Royals do... You know, I have a 6-2 ERA they produced against him last year. 6-2. They saw him four times last year, lit him up twice, had a good outing once, got shut down once. Lifetime, they have a 5-3-3 ERA. So they have hit Salazar in a decent clip, and perhaps he's due for a bad start after, you know, being a world beater. And Ventura hopefully can, you know, kind of put some of the stuff behind him and have a great start himself. So I I, I think the Royals are probably going to lose two out of three, but it wouldn't shock me if they got two out of three. They're, they're most likely going to lose tomorrow. So don't be panicked. If they get swept, you can panic. But even if they win one of these games, let's not panic. These are not great matchups for the Royals right now. They don't have Rios. They don't have Holland. Cleveland's about due to start scoring runs. And, in fact, they did break out a couple of the games against the Tigers this weekend. They did lose two out of three but scored some runs on Friday and today. And Cleveland's got the pitching matchup definitely in one game. I I guess we'll call the other two draws, although you have to give probably Bauer a slight edge over Guthrie. But... I, I, I consider the last two games toss-ups in this series. The Royals should be able to get one, hopefully two. But don't be surprised if they lose two. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. So that's where we're at. It's a great start to the year for the Royals. Nothing to be upset about it. It was a tough day. But again, the it's pretty amazing the Royals didn't have a game where they kind of blew one and gave one away until almost May. I mean, we're just five days away from May. And this is going to happen. The Royals are playing 666 ball, man. The devil would like that. 
So let's hope KC can get a couple wins in Cleveland, at least get one, and then they come home for a big, big series against Detroit. And they will need to win some of those games against Detroit, uh, who the Royals, I believe, now are a half game behind in the AL Central. Thanks for having us on here on Clubhouse Conversation. Some more good interviews planned for you this week. A couple prominent Royals minor leaguers coming up in the near future. Some very prominent Royals players and coaches from the early days, from the early 70s. And also a fan favorite from the mid-80s to early 90s coming up. So there's some teasing for you. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. That will deliver the MP3s automatically into your iTunes whenever you open it. You can click from the website on the iTunes icon to set that up. You can also follow us on Twitter at Royals Clubhouse, Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook. Drop me an email or comment here on the website. Would love to hear from you. appreciate you telling a friend and appreciate you listening to Clubhouse Conversation. Have a great night and go Royals.